Hey, Outcomes Rocket listeners, Saul Marquez here. I get what a phenomenal asset a podcast could be for your business, and also how frustrating it is to navigate editing and production, monetization, and achieving the ROI you're looking for. Technical busy work shouldn't stop you from getting your genius into the world, though. You should be able to build your brand easily with a professional podcast that gets attention. A patched up podcast could ruin your business. Let us do the technical busy work behind the scenes while you share your genius on the mic and take the industry stage. Visit smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. That's smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Saul Marquez here. And today I have the privilege of hosting the excellent Dr. Stan Shepard. He's a visionary leader in healthcare IT, founder and CEO of Instant Access Medical. He gained a BSc in aeronautical engineering before qualifying in medicine and entering general practice. He was one of the earliest users of computerized GP records before combining his skills in medicine and technology to develop an electronic healthcare record, still a leading system in three countries and used by the Special Olympics in every U.S. state and 100 other countries. As a clinician, he understands the business of healthcare intimately. As an engineer and IT specialist, he understands systems and using technology to improve healthcare outcomes. His focus is Instant Access Medical and its comprehensive lifelong personal care record for citizens to enable the most clinically effective and most cost-effective care to deliver the best outcomes and lowest cost for patients, providers, funders, insurers, and employers internationally. He's a member of the Special Olympics International Medical Advisory Committee and is medical advisory to Special Olympics Great Britain from where he's calling in today. He's a counselor on the Digital Health Council of the Royal Society of Medicine and is responsible for external partnerships and alliances. I'm excited about today's conversation and really looking forward to to spending some good time with the outstanding Dr. Stan Shepard. Stan, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Saul, and thank you for that lovely introduction. My mother would have been proud of you. <laughs> well, Stan, you you just are such an impressive person and uh, just have done so much to add value to health and health care. And so I'd love to really, you know, understand what inspires your work in healthcare. It actually goes back, uh, Saul, to as a young as a young doctor when we initially, many years ago, put the first computer in our practice, in our medical practice. And it meant we had data and we knew how many of our children uh, had been immunized. We knew how many of our adult females had had their uh, cervical smear, their pap smear and so on. And in those days, um, very few people knew that data. And because we had that data, we were able to focus our attention. And once we started to get our immunization rates up to 90 plus percent and our pap smear rate up to 85, 90 percent, people started to say, oh, you'll never get 100%. You'll never get 100% immunization rate. You'll never get 100% uptake rate of anything. And that was when I realized something that stayed with us uh, ever since, which is as a doctor, it's not my job to get 100% uptake for any, any immunization or any, uh, any other procedure. That's up to the patient. But it is my job. It is 100% my job to have 100% knowledge of who has had an immunization or had a pap smear and who has not, especially those who have not. And it's my job to know why they have not. Did nobody invite them? Uh, Are they unclear about the benefits? Are they mistaken about the side effects and so on? So I realized that my job was to have 100% knowledge about my patients. It wasn't to have 100% uptake rate of something. 
but 100% knowledge. And you can't do that on bits of paper. So that, that got us into the whole computerization of medical records. And that's what we've, we've stuck with ever since. Yeah, you know, that's a, a really great distinction, Stan, to have landed on. Yeah, it's not up to you to, to, to ensure. But you know what? To, to understand your patients so intricately, that's consumerism. You know, and sure, so, sure. you know, it's it's awesome that you have been thinking about this for so long. It's dawning on on the industry. And so talk to us about how you look at things and, and really through the lens of instant access medical, mm-hmm. you know, talk to us about what you guys are doing to add value to the healthcare ecosystem. Well, I mean, think of for all of us, every citizen, our healthcare data is scattered across all the clinics and all the hospitals uh, we've ever been in. And there's different records of us in all of those different sites. So the care cannot be integrated. You can't deliver integrated care if you haven't got integrated information. We're a long way from hospitals and clinics in any one country or even one state, let alone internationally, sharing information. There are huge consequences of that lack of integration, that lack of uh, sharing of information. So we believe fundamentally in instant access medical that the citizen should be the primary data owner. The citizen is the common uh, record, the common point for all services impacting in healthcare. So it kind of follows that their record is the most comprehensive log of the care they have received. And so it should be the citizen as the primary data owner uh, to share it with providers. I wish they should and they will, but the providers become controllers and processors of that data. The other reason for putting the citizen at the center is good health is not something that just happens to you. Like wealth, good health has to be created and managed. Now, everybody, we've all got lifelong records uh, for our wealth, credit card statements, bank statements, and so on. But almost no one has a lifelong record for their health. And yet everybody, if you said to anybody, is your health more important than your wealth, I kind of guess 99% of the population would say yes. But we've got all these great records, lifelong records for our wealth, our own lifelong records for our wealth, but almost none of us have our own lifelong record for our health. Stan, I mean, I'm part of that group that doesn't. And um, mm. it, you really make me think. And I'm sure, folks, you're, you're probably thinking, wow, he's got a point here. What am I doing about my, my personal records? And I, I mean, I just think about, you know, getting these vaccinations and, and what happens to the records. I mean, there are pieces of paper that are frankly scattered in different files in my home. Whenever I need something, it takes me forever to, to find yeah. it. And sometimes I can't even find it. So <laughs> like, I know that, you know, everybody listening, you're probably in the same boat. If you're not, you're very unique. So Stan, you're focused on changing this. So talk to us about what you guys do that's different and why sure. it's a better way. Sure. Let's think of, let's just push the wealth one a little bit further. Imagine you were trying to manage your spending and instead of getting a credit card statement, at the end of every month of all the transactions you'd made in whatever stores you'd been to. Imagine you got a list from each store just of the transactions you did in that store. And by the way, not all the stores bother to send you one. How are you going to manage your spending? How are you going to know what's going on? It's impossible, but that's what goes in healthcare. So we think if you're going to be the primary data owner, then every citizen needs their own lifelong personal care record you know, under their own control, just as your credit card uh, is under your own control. You have, you're in charge of it and you use it as you see fit. Now, to have a lifelong personal care record, it's got to be comprehensive. And that's got, it's got to be for two reasons. Nobody is going to be happy with separate apps, one for their diabetes, one for their arthritis, one for this, one for that, scattered all over their phone. They want it brought together 
in one place. And each of us needs that lifelong personal care record in one place. But the other thing is the needs, the functionality, the features, the services that our lifelong personal care record will give us varies over our lifetime. What you need as a newborn baby or your mother needs as a newborn baby is different from what you need as a five-year-old. It's different from what you need as a teenager. It's different from what you need as an adult female or an adult male. It's different as an elderly male or elderly female. It's different if you've got diabetes or you haven't. It's different if you've got cancer or you haven't. We're all different. We can all have a common platform. We can all have the same structure in our record, but the actual content of our uh, medical records, no two people, it doesn't matter how many billion people we've got in the world, no two people's personal care record is going to be the same. So it has to be comprehensive so that as your life evolves, as different things happen to you, your record is there not only to record the data, but to support you with its function and features. And that's what we're, we're driving to do. So we really do focus on the person, on the patient. We want people to take control of their health. Everything you read, people talk about patient-centric care. It's a great phrase and it trips off the tongue. But actually, most care in the world currently is still delivered as doctor-centric care. And it's inevitable because only the doctor or the nurse or the other healthcare professionals have the information. Patient-centric care has to be about putting the patient really at the center, which means the patient having their own data. So, you know, we, we need to move to a situation where instead of patients struggling to get to see their data in the doctor's system, patients take, having their own lifelong record on their mobile phone, on the web, taking it with them so that we get to a position of doctors seeing patients' data rather than patients seeing doctors' data. That's not to say the doctors shouldn't have it. Of course, they need that data. But the center of gravity is in the wrong place for patient-centric care. That's what we want to do. And, and the vehicle to do that is your personal care record. Yeah. So Stan, as you as you well know, here in the States, we, we had discussions, a big debate around a national patient identifier, you know, and it didn't it didn't work, right? They voted it down. Some confusion and, and ideas around uh, they're going to basically confuse things. Records would get mixed up. And to your point earlier, right, the wealth example is always a good one because, hey, you know, I don't wake up and magically have three extra zeros in my bank account. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like that mix up doesn't happen. <laughs> and there are controls to ensure that doesn't happen, you know, so. What you're saying is so key, you know, and if we're not going to do it through our government system, then it's critical that we consider avenues such as yours, Instant Access Medical, to get there because it's important. And there's a lot of benefits that can come with really understanding the lifelong record. So talk to us about how in your journey, you've been able to improve outcomes or, or make business better for yeah. the employers and people that you provide this for. Yeah, I think it's still early days. Uh, you know, I haven't got uh, any clip answers, but the early adopters we've worked with, um, we know that people value having their own data. There's an increasing thirst for people to have their own data, but also to manage services directly themselves. One of the big outcomes of digital transformation. I mean, healthcare hasn't gone through its digital transformation yet, but retail, finance, travel, insurance, they've gone through their digital transformation. And if we look at the lessons from there, one of the things they had to do was create a longitudinal record for each consumer. Certainly here in the UK, if you were, if you were with, with a particular bank and you had a bank account in London, three bank accounts in Cardiff, two in Birmingham and one in Scotland, 
they had no idea that you were the same person because all of their systems were account-centric. If you had an insurance car policy, a home insurance with an insurer, and you changed, you moved home and told the insurer you changed your home address, they didn't automatically tell the car guys because their systems were policy-centric. They had to, and it was a, it was a huge effort, to make their systems consumer-centric. So now, not only do they know if you've got a, a home insurance, but you've also got car insurance, they know the insurances you don't have, so they can promote those insurances uh, to you and so on. So in healthcare, we need to get to that same position where the, we've got a longitudinal record. You will manage your patients better with a longitudinal health record, just as banks, insurers, uh, and so on can manage their consumers better with a, long, a lifelong uh, record for each one. Now, that's one aspect, but the other great aspect of digital transformation, and this is where you start making big impacts on costs and efficiency, is all those other industries, retail, finance, travel, and insurance, enabled the consumer to manage as many services directly themselves as they could. So I can book a flight a year from now. I can choose my seat. I can order my meal. I can barely, in medicine, we think it's miraculous that you can book an online appointment with your doctor, mm -hmm. but not more than three weeks ahead. So there's a big mismatch here. And the public, we know that the, I think the numbers in, in, in the UK are something like 70% of people book their flights online, and it's something like less than 5% interact digitally with the health service. So the problem is not public appetite or public capability. That's not the problem. It's just that in healthcare, we haven't made services available for people to interact digitally with from their personal care record in their own possession. So we can see the power of putting the information in the hands of the patient, but we can then do more than that. We can, more than, we can give them much more than just data. It's still regarded as pretty leading edge to let a patient see the doctor's data. Well, in the nicest possible way, and without wishing to be patronizing, another doctor seeing that data knows what to make of it. Many people see the data and don't necessarily know what it means to them. But if you put that data in their own lifelong personal care record, we can then put in, as we have done, we can put in algorithms, alerts, reminders, explanations, and other support mechanisms around that individual's own data. We can give them personalized care pathways, personalized alerts and reminders to help them make sense of their data and to make it useful. So that, that, that's our direction of travel. And that's how we see our ability to improve both improve the outcomes for patients, but also to make the businesses better. Um, there's an understandable reluctance about many doctors, amongst many doctors and many healthcare organizations, hospitals, and so on, to trust the public with that data. But actually, it's worked brilliantly in all those other industries. And it has brought increased efficiency, it's brought better outcomes, it's brought lower costs, and actually it's brought increased customer satisfaction. And we can do with all four of those uh, in healthcare, I think. Yes, yeah, certainly a, a very promising, Stan. And so as you reflect on maybe some of the biggest setbacks that you've experienced mm -hmm. in this, in this yeah. journey to, to make the records available for consumers for their own, what would you say is one of the biggest setbacks you've experienced and a key learning that came out of it? Uh, is being too early in the market, being before our time. Yeah. I won't tell you how many years ago I had that realization about 100% knowledge, not about 100% uptake. Um, it's been hard. It's been a long, hard road to get across the concept of why it's so vital for people to have their own uh, information. And it's really only, as I touched on just now, after the digital transformation in those other industries, that people have said, 
wow, we can gain those same benefits of digital transformation in healthcare. So we were before our time and we just had to wait until uh, people were ready to see the value and the need uh, themselves. But that's changing rapidly now through through COVID. Yeah, it's certainly tough, right? You When you see the vision and others don't yet, or the systems are just not aligned yet, you know, and so I see it, Stan, you know, like I, I definitely see it. And I know the listeners, they're, they're forward thinking too. They see the promise of, of what we're discussing here. So what are you most excited about? Well, I'm most excited about the fact that um, we've got the tools now. We've got the software tools. Certainly, I mean, software development has, has moved forward dramatically. Almost everybody has uh, a, a phone of some sort. and The vast majority have a smartphone. People have their own ways of accessing. We've got the internet. We've got the ability for the data to be shared and to be owned by the individuals. And we've got those examples of those other industries. And so people are realizing that it's actually healthcare is the odd one out. Now, uh, it's not the others are the odd one out. It's healthcare that's the odd, odd, odd one out. And COVID, for all its tragedies, and you know, it's desperate, but it has alerted people that they can and need to have their own information, and they need to start managing their own healthcare. There's plenty of examples we can give, but take the really simple one. People are now talking about health passports. Mm-hmm. Now, nobody thinks it's strange that you have to have a passport to leave, go, move from one country to another. Nobody thinks that's strange at all. Uh, and yet we've never bothered to take our health with it. When you get an airplane, you fly somewhere, you leave your health behind. You might get ill in a foreign country, but you've got no data, you've got no information. The best thing you can do is give them the phone number of your physician at home. That's about it. But if you have your health passport, if you have your lifelong health record, and as is multilingual because of our previous specialist experience, if you have your multilingual personal care record on your phone and you're ill in a foreign country, then you've got the data with you to show uh, foreign doctors and perhaps show them in their own own language as well. So carrying a health passport, COVID is saying, well, we're going to need health passports. That's one. Another simple COVID example is the vaccines. We, I I can't say we know, but it's highly likely this vaccine will mutate. It's highly likely that it'll go the way of the other coronaviruses like flu. And we may need annual or at least from time to time further top up vaccinations. But of course, we haven't done any, haven't had the time yet to do any testing, is if you have a vaccine from manufacturer A, now, can you have the top up from manufacturer B? And will you even remember who you had the first one from if it's nine, 12 months later? Well, if it's in your personal care record, there'll be no ambiguity and no no doubt about that at all. The other thing, even beyond COVID, which is much more exciting, is the whole notion of person-generated data. It started with Fitbits and counting your steps, uh, your heart rate, your sleep, and so on. Uh, But that's racing away now to your blood glucose, your blood pressure, uh, all sorts of bodily parameters can be measured. Now, where's all that data going to go? It's not going to go in your physician system. If you're measuring your blood pressure once a day or twice a day, the physician does not want all those blood pressures in their record. If you're doing real-time glucose analysis, uh, you know, if you're measuring your own blood, blood glucose, the physician doesn't want to see every one of those bits of data, but the perfect home for them is your lifelong personal care record. Not only do you then carry those with you, but inside the personal care record with algorithms, we can curate that data. And we did an early adopter where we had people measuring their blood pressure twice a day. And instead of feeding all those results to the doctors, we simply averaged it out over a week and sent the doctors the weekly average. Now, I think that's great for the patient, but it's also going to be great for getting control of those long-term, those chronic conditions. Even in the best-run diabetes service today, you see your doctor or your nurse 
once a quarter, four times a year, 361 days of the year, you're on your own. So when you see them and they say, well, your blood pressure's, your, uh, your blood uh, sugar's a bit high, Stan, or your blood pressure's a bit high, what have you been up to? Well, none of us can remember what we've been up to in the last three months. So on the other hand, if you've got a home blood pressure monitor, and these things are you know, very inexpensive these days, if you've got a home blood pressure monitor and it's feeding its results by Bluetooth directly into your personal care record, what we say to people is, look, when you're measuring your blood pressure, do it regularly. But if you just had a, a row or a family upset, check your blood pressure. If you've just had a lovely evening, a calm, quiet evening, or you've been for a lovely walk on a sunny day, check your blood pressure. If you forget to take your tablets, before you take your tablets, check your blood pressure. When you take your tablets, check your blood pressure a few hours later, because that way people will start to associate their personal behavior with their blood pressures going up and down. Because the problem with, with modern chronic diseases, long-term conditions, is you don't feel anything. You don't feel anything of your blood pressure going up and down. You don't feel your blood glucose going up and down unless it reaches extremes. So you've got no way of knowing what you're doing, how that's affecting your physical parameters. But if you've got that data, you start to say, hey, every time I have a relaxed evening, my blood pressure goes down. Every time we have a row, it goes up. So from that association comes understanding of what it is I am doing that makes my disease get worse or better. And from my understanding of what I'm doing comes control. And I think it's exceptionally hard for people to come to grips with long-term conditions, seeing a physician every three or four months. So I think that's the biggest the biggest change, we're going to have truly personalized medicine where my bodily parameters, my measurements are feeding into my personal care record and my personal care record is helping me understand the impact they're having on me and guiding me towards a better outcome. And I think the world is becoming ready for that. I think COVID has been very important for citizens, for individuals. It's also been hugely important for corporates. Biggest market right now is to corporates for the health of their workforce. Our corporates have been talking for years about the health of their workforce, and very few have done anything about it. COVID has made them realize they have to take the health of their workforce uh, seriously, and we've got the tools to do that, to help and support their people with all sorts of long-term conditions. So well, I think we're there now. We've, we've been patient. We've, we're waiting for our overnight success after many years. <laughs> we're, we're, we're ready, and I think the world is ready for this now. Wow. Well, well put, Stan, and, and it is an exciting time. And all of the examples that you've given us are great examples of how we could benefit from owning our own personal record and inputting the data into this record to be smarter about the recommendations. You know, if, if Amazon could give us recommendations about the things that we don't even know we, we need to buy. But when we see it, it's like, oh, wow, that's really good. Exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. How about those suggestions in our health, right? Yep, exactly right. And, and may I say, that this is not to replace physician systems. At all. This is not instead of hospital system. It's just there's this great gap. You know, we have records optimized for cardiologists. We have records optimized for urologists. We have records optimized for physical therapists. Where's the record optimized for the, for the citizen? We don't have that. Yep. You are spot on, Stan, and so grateful that you and your team are, are doing this work, and the time is now. I forget who said it, Stan, but the, the quote is, not even all of the, the world's armies could withstand the right idea at the right time, <laughs> and I think this is the right time. So kudos to you and, and the work that you've done, the lifelong work that really is, is culminating into this, and so 
really appreciate you educating us today. What would you say is the best place that the listeners could get in touch with you and any closing thoughts? Yeah, well, I mean, I think I agree with you and I'm delighted you feel the same that the time has come. So if your listeners have liked uh, what we've said, whether they agree or not, um, we have our website, instantaccessmedical.com. And if your listeners would like to contact me there, and uh, we'd be delighted to hear from them and delighted to keep them briefed and updated as we move forward. So thank you. Thank you, Saul. It's been, it's been really great talking to you. And thank you for your terrific questions. My pleasure, Stan. Appreciate all you do. Hey, everyone. Saul Marquez here. Have you launched your podcast already and discovered what a pain it could be to keep up with editing, production, show notes, transcripts, and operations? What if you could turn over the keys to your podcast busy work while you do the fun stuff like expanding your network and taking the industry stage? Let us edit your first episode for free so you can experience the freedom. Visit smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. That's smoothpodcasting.com to learn more.